Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop. Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Alex Caesar, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2016, went from trying to defend against the likes of Johnny Menzel and Mike Evans on the football field to founding and growing a consulting and speaking company that strives to make everyone that he works with a better person. Alex is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs build strong cultures and blend personal passion with God-given desires. So pass it back and listen up to Alex as he shares some really good bull. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining Aggie Growth Hacks. We are stoked to have you, stoked to learn about your story, and we are stoked to have you talk to our listeners about the importance of culture, building a strong culture, and then how you come alongside entrepreneurs and do that. So thank you for what you do, and thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this episode. Well, Alex... We love Texas A&M. We love being students at A&M and all the great things that happen. We love being former students at A&M. But what do you miss about no longer being a student at Texas A&M? Yeah, so I miss Saturday football games and particularly being on the field on Saturday. It's a different experience now having graduated and, and watching from the stands or, or the couch and not being able to be on the field. So it's kind of hard to compare anything to Aggie football on Saturday, especially at home. So I miss that experience, being able to go out on, on the field, come out of the tunnel and have just, you know, 100,000 Raven fans uh, swaying in the stadium. So I miss that most. Love that. And Alex, you and I have met before and, and we've talked, so I kind of know a little bit about your your back history, but why don't you tell all the Aggie entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now, like what time frame are, did you play for, for that Aggie football and uh, who yeah. did you play with? Yeah, so I, I was uh, a player during the Johnny Manziel era, so kind of the end of it. The His first year, uh, after, well, after he won the Heisman in 2012, my first year coming in was his last season at Texas A&M. So Johnny and Mike and and all those guys. And then my the people after me were guys like Christian Kirk and Miles Garrett and, and those guys. So played from 2013 to 2016, class of 17, technically. And and who did you play against specifically? What was your position? Who did you play against? Yeah, so I played defensive back. Uh, funny story, I had never played that position until I actually arrived at AM. And then my first no introduction, yeah. <laughs> so AM actually offered me a football scholarship without having seen me play a game of football. I mean, we can talk about that if you want to, but I was essentially baptized and introduced to defensive back by Johnny and Mike in practice every single day. So then step on the field as a true freshman. Uh, starting the first game of the season. So I uh, had to grow up uh, really quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you did. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I got to play with some really great guys and with, with some really uh, great guys as well. That's pretty awesome. So Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business, about your entrepreneurial journey? You know, this is one of my favorite things that I get to do here on Aggie Growth Hacks is really dig into and learn about these very successful Aggie entrepreneurs and their and their journey. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yours? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll go back to college for you. Uh, graduated December 2016, went to work for a company that most Aggies know by the name of Opportune Energy Consulting Firm in Houston. I did that for about a year and transitioned actually back to town. I got a call from a guy who I met in his backyard by the name of Doug Peterson. And um, 
he didn't have any children. And essentially the question was, do you want to take over for me? Do you want to start a business? My answer was yes. I moved, I moved back to Bryan College Station and I looked up about a year later, I was the president of his company. I started another company and um, alongside his company. And three years later, we had purchased about 340 units together. Then I eventually sold that back to him and transitioned into a full-time speaking and consulting for the organization. So in the culture space and showing other organizations, other teams, how to create the things that we created uh, all with a biblical angle. So kind of the, the short of it, what I'm doing right now is that I help uh, workplace leaders create the cultures that we crave by combining the Bible with business, management with a mission, profits with purpose, and culture with Christ. Um, so that's what I'm doing now, but that's kind of how I got to this point. Um, so yeah. So let, let's dig into that a little bit, Alex. So how, how do you, because that that's a really unique way of approaching culture and I love your boldness. I love your openness. I love the fact that you, by you saying that, you're saying there's going to be a part of the entrepreneurs out there that have integrating their faith with their business is not important to them or not so important to them that they would be attracted to you. So let's get practical. Can you give an example of how you practically integrate or help uh, entrepreneurs integrate their faith actively with their culture? Absolutely. So for me, and I'll just kind of tell you how this started. Being a young leader, I was a team captain at AM, and then to be a president of multiple companies in my early 20s and really be tasked with creating organizational and company culture. So I went out and I read all of the books out there. I watched all of the videos on YouTube. And for me, I just, I didn't find anything. I found great resources, you know, core values and mission and vision. And I was really looking for something that approached culture in its totality. So for me, I was like, hold on, the Bible has been a pillar in my life. I wonder if it talks about culture. And what I learned was that culture just wasn't a, a good idea, but a God idea. And what I mean by that is culture, I'll, I'll tell you how I teach it, but let's go with how I started. It is a responsibility to steward the things that we're placed in charge of. It's how we care for things. So when I look at it from that perspective, it's like the way in which I treat my employees and the way in which I care for my business is a direct correlation to people seeing my good work and glorifying my father in heaven. So that was the connection I made. And then to actually get into that practical application. So culture for me is three different things, beliefs, behaviors, and results. So how do we shape beliefs that influence behaviors that produce the intended results that we want? So for example, how do I incorporate the Bible into business? So whenever I go to teach organizations, the first pillar of the things that I teach, so uh, seven different things, vision, purpose, mission, core values, your brand, your team, and then also building your culture authentically. Application-wise, writing a vision statement, I have what I call the five Ps of vision, taken directly from the Bible. So even if you're not a believer, you can look at this and go, that makes practical sense. And here's what I mean by it. Habakkuk chapter two, we're going to write a, a company vision statement. Here's what it says. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets of stone so that whoever reads it may run with it. For the vision is yet from a point at time. If it tarries, wait for it. It will surely come. That's where I get the five P's of vision. Here's my practicality. Number one, vision statements must be personal to your organization. So many times we see that copy and paste. Well, that sounds cool. That's our vision. He says, the Lord answered me. It was a personal situation that 
Habakkuk was dealing with during that time. So number one, it has to be personal. Number two, it needs to be permanent. And what I mean by that, he says to write it on tablets of stone. Writing something on stone signifies that we believe that's going to happen, but also writing it down makes sure that we can spread that same message with consistency and with clarity. So we don't have the telephone game through the organization. The leader thinks this, it comes out the other end, it's a completely different message. Number three, it needs to be practical. Make it plain. Don't just go cliche and jargon and it sounds really cool, but no one actually knows what it means. How do we make our vision statement practical? Number four, it has to be purposeful. Whoever reads it, runs with it. So a vision statement is a call to action. We have to be able, inspired to actually do something with it, not just be like, oh, that, that looks cool. Like, no, when we leave the meeting, <laughs> I need to be able to make progress and work towards this. And number five, it needs to be a patient. It says, wait for it. It will surely come. Visions are for an appointed time. So a lot of times we write these things and they're five, three, 10 years out. So I think TD Jakes said that a visionary sees what shall be, but wakes up to deal with what is. So how do we blend that statement with perseverance and with patience? So that's just a simple example of how I can take the word of God and practically teach it to someone who has no biblical backing at all, has never heard of, and they go, oh, that makes sense. Um, so that's just a, a short example of how I infuse faith with business and the, the Bible with business. So that is so well, cool. I think my devotion this weekend is going to be Habakkuk. So I've, <laughs> ne I've never, ne never pulled that into business. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm the son of a, uh, the son of a pastor and the grandson of a pastor, but both of those people were also involved in the marketplace. So that's where the overlap comes from. And, uh, it's funny you say you've never uh, seen it that way. I'll talk to my dad all the time and just kind of give him some stuff that I've been studying and the applications I get from. And he's just like, nope, never, <laughs> never saw it, but now I can't unsee it. <laughs> so, but yeah, just simple things like that, even with the core values. And we can talk about those later when we get into it. But um, I use the Bible to shape core values and, and teach people how to design them in a way that they're actually lived out through the organization. So speaking of core values, right, that is actually what we want to talk about here. And what exactly are your core values, right? And how did you select them? Obviously through the Bible, I'm, I'm guessing here, right? And how is that impacting your business now? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my company core values are love, integrity, vision, excellence, and service. So I start with core values, deciding what they are. I call it the three Ds of designing core values. Core values need to be decided, defined, and demonstrated. So how did I decide what they were? It's a combination of faith and family. So obviously there are things in the Bible that I want to see in my life to where it, it brings glory to God. But number two is there are people who went before me that poured into me and have helped to kind of formulate and create what my core values are, the things that are important to us as a family. So it's a combination of faith and family on how they were decided, but I don't stop there. I define what my core values are because a lot of times you can say those words and they sound cool. They sound catchy. And we, I'm sure there are a lot of companies that have overlap, uh, overlaps within their core values, but I define what they are that way within the organization, all of us have a collective understanding of what I mean when I say love. So that that way we know how I expect to see those things um, lived out through the organization. So love, treat others as yourself. Integrity, tell and live the truth, even if it hurts. Vision, live today like tomorrow matters. Excellence, give your all in all. Service, be inconvenienced to help other people. So now I've decided, I've defined, now I have to live that out. Mm -hmm. Because unless you live it out, like you can write it on the wall all you want. You can make those things as pretty as you want to get a 
you know, Picasso could paint them. But if you don't live those things out with three, w- within your organization, they're just words on the wall. So that's how you create the feedback back loop in your organization to show mm-hmm. this is what we believe and this is important to us. Values turn into value statements that are then become, uh, they become valued action within your organization. So. I think Alex, as, as as you're talking, I can I can hear your grandfather and your father speaking. That is, you 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 you've got some solid alliteration chops. So everything's F's, everything's P's, everything's D's. So I I love it. So so keep keep on going. Let's talk about you and and your company. So so you you've had the experience of being in corporate America. You've had the experience of being with a local entrepreneur. And and for those of you who don't know Mr. Peterson and Twin City Properties, I mean, it, it is a phenomenal story. Um, I've been able to to listen to him and get to know him a little bit through the McFerrin Center, through Entrepreneur's Bootcamp for Veterans, and someone who just loves many different aspects of, of real estate. But then that wasn't enough. You wanted to go out and create something for yourself. So so for a growing company for someone that is looking to impact so much better than you bigger than you was there a specific tipping point that man I'm going to switch the question up is there a tipping point that allowed you to take that step into entrepreneurship yourself what pushed you over that edge to not to 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 be your own entrepreneur Yeah so I I was in a unique situation I was the president of a company and I was also a president of a company I started. So I was in a unique situation to have a full-time job and a full-time business and those two things not be in conflict. And I tell you that to tell you this, whenever, um, here's how I decided that I was, it was time for me to go. Uh, it was a normal Saturday and this is kind of how I live my life. I'm very, you know, faith driven. And I just felt this powerful unction that it was time for me to move on. And that was not in the cards for for Doug and I. Like we had just purchased an RV park. Um, I'm supposed to take over for him. He was basically as retired as he's ever been. Like he was not even showing up to meetings at that point. I was doing everything. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going <laughs> to tell Doug this? Well, I called my dad and I said, hey man, I just feel like God's telling me it's time for me to go. And here was my the tipping point. My dad said, oh yeah, I knew that. I said, hold on, back up, rewind. What do you mean you knew that? He said, I had a dream and you were packing up your office. I said, when were you going to tell me this? He said, son, it's not my job to tell you. It's just my job to confirm it. Just, I mean, he blew my mind. And I'm thinking, okay, there's some confirmation there. And then I'm trying to work up the confidence <laughs> to talk to Doug. And essentially he's doing the biggest deal he's ever done at this time, orchestrated by me, brought on by me. He's buying his partners out or his partner's family. And funny enough, the bank had stipulations in the terms that I was supposed to be a part of it. Like Alex can't leave was kind of a part of the deal. And we 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 figured that out and solved that. He's thinking, I've been doing this 30 years without Alex. Like, <laughs> you're gonna handcuff me because Alex isn't here anymore. But um, I talked to him. We were leaving the bank and I said, Hey, we need to talk. And he says, Okay, what do you have? I said, in your office. This is a ser- this is a serious conversation. He said, Alex, just tell me what's going on. I tried to hold it. And long story short, we had a 10 minute drive to the office. We were done talking by the time we got to the office. And he just understood. He was like, I get it. I saw this a long time ago. He's like, I didn't think I could actually keep you. I tried. You know, we were buying property uh, hand over fist. He's like, I just saw something in you and I knew like you you were going to move on one day. And um, so that's kind of how it happened. And really, for me, it was a, a God prompting. Um, it wasn't something that I had planned today, but it was it was time. 
And now walking out and taking that step in faith, I'm starting to see the rewards from trusting God, kind of like Abraham. He says, you know, go to a land I'll show you. What kind of instructions are those? Go to a land I'll show you. I'm thinking, like, can you just show me right now before I actually walk out, walk out the door? But no, he trusted God that he would show him when it was time. So a lot of times you don't see the full picture. You just have to kind of take that first step. So that's how it started for me. It was a leap of faith. And now I'm starting to see that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And gosh, just blessed me um, tremendously in this venture. So, uh, but that's how it started. Wow. That's, that's just amazing. And once you took that first step, then what, then, then how did you get to where you're at now? Yeah. So <laughs> I just kept taking steps in obedience, honestly. And whenever I decided that it was time for me to go, Doug actually made me an offer. He said, Alex, please stay. I'll pay you what I'm paying you now. We'll keep the business going. Show up one day a week or one day a month. I don't care. Just stay. I told him no. And I think that goes into my wiring. I just can't do something halfway. And I knew he thought I could do it one day a month, but like you don't give your full attention to something is going to start to go down. I couldn't attach my name to something like that. So I said, no, I've got to, I've got to go all in on this deal. So I did. And, um, it just all became clear to me and the systematic, the acronyms and all of those things I pulled from experience and was able to essentially create something through promptings, through the spirit of God to where I honestly can't take credit for it. I literally, I, I say that the spirit spoke to me simply to speak through me. I'm just a, a vessel that's being used. So for me, it was just consistency and step by step going, okay, God, like, what do you want me to do now? Okay. What about now? And he's shown favor on the corporate side, dealing with culture. And then also I was developing uh, keynotes for schools and sports programs and things like that. I've, I've been speaking at schools for over a decade and, you know, all free. I go to give a speech at my high school a few weeks ago and my phone's just ringing off the hook, superintendents, principals. I'm doing teacher convocations. I'm speaking to students, sports programs. So yeah, it was just all obedience and, and one foot in front of the other. A lot of studying, a lot of research, but at the heart of it is just being obedient and, and having a heart for people. Mm -hmm. So. So Alex, let's, let me ask you a question in faith a little bit differently. Instead of showing you the, the country that you're going to go to, has God shown you your big, hairy, audacious goal? Where, where does he want you in 10 years? Yeah. So this is funny because before anyone ever told me play football, before anyone ever told me that you know, you're fast or you're gifted athletically, before anyone ever told me to study engineering because you're good at math, I had a dream. Whenever, so seeing my grandfather, my dad, and now me, I had a dream as a toddler and I had no clue what it meant at that time. But for me, it was just a, a lasting memory and it stuck with me my whole life. So sometimes I don't see what tomorrow looks like, but there's this big thing that I've been shown and um, I'm just kind of putting the one foot in front of the other, but I had a dream and it was just me in front of a crowd of people with a microphone. And that's the only memory I have of being like probably three years and under before you kind of start to remember things. But I remember that dream and it never left me. And then I started speaking. I was started doing Sunday school when I was 13. I started preaching when I was 16. I started speaking at schools when I was, I think, probably 17 or 18. So now all of this stuff is just starting to come full circle. And now I'm going, this makes sense. But yeah, it started with that dream as like a little bitty toddler. And I had no clue what it meant, but some of the details are starting to be uh, filled in. So, so cool. So very cool. All right. We're going to head into our lightning round here. But before we do, we're going to take a brief pause here for a message from our sponsor. 
All right, and we are back and heading into our lightning round. So there's one rule for the lightning round. You have one minute or less to answer each question. You ready, Alex? I'm ready. Awesome. Okay, so question number one, what is your favorite hack? This can be personal. It can be business. Anything goes because we are Aggie Growth Hacks. Yeah, my favorite hack is to do something hard early. Uh, It's kind of my way of having that forced discipline. So I've been working out at 5 a.m. since I was in middle school. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) And uh, so that's kind of continued (laughs) on. And then also, um, if I'm prepping for a speech or a sermon, sometimes I'll forego the gym at 5 o'clock and do a 4 a.m. devotional and kind of prep for that. So just making sure I get the body in motion early, kind of like the swallow the frog. So, yeah. Alex, what is your favorite bit of advice and 16 red ass points if you can tell us how you've applied it? Yeah. So my my best advice I've received was to attach purpose to what you do. Uh, so the Bible says, for the joy set before him, do, Jesus endured the cross. Uh, if you want to be a person of perseverance, it talks about being a person of perseverance, following that model. So if you want to persevere, attach purpose to it because life will suck. Things will get hard. But when you know why you do what you do, mm-hmm. that helps you to keep going. So for me, I'm kind of living it right now. It's like, how do I continue to push through when you don't know exactly the next step or uh, what exactly is supposed to happen? I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that keeps me going. That keeps me waking up every single day. So Alex, next question, what is your superpower? I make the complex simple and I pull greatness out of other people. Um, So complex, simple, whether it's a business idea or even on the football field, like we have these big, man, we have to accomplish this big task. I go, what do we have to do right now? And then what do we have to do tomorrow? And then what do we have to do the next day? So taking complex ideas, making them simple, and then also tapping into the greatness of other people. I'm going to want to make, I'm going to make everyone around me want to be a better person. So either you're going to go away from me um, or you're going to just decide not to be average. So, well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for telling us your story, your passion, and and really opening up a little bit about uh, the uniqueness and the calling that God has put on you and your faithfulness to be able to walk through that. How can our listeners get in touch with you? How can we support you? How can we come alongside you so that we can be changed? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you're in the professional world, in the marketplace, if you lead an organization, alexcaesar.com. So there's you know things for culture on there, as well as you know me in person consulting and speaking. So if you're a superintendent, a principal, a teacher, I'd love to visit your school. So that's how people can find me and support me. Instagram and LinkedIn are the main two platforms I'm the most active on. So Alex Caesar, S-E-Z-E-R. Love it. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge with us. And I just love what you're doing. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on Aggie Growth Ags. Absolutely. Thank you and giggle. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that pretty awesome or what? I know that Alex shared a lot of really cool things with us. You know, and I, I wrote a ton of things down. I, I've known Alex for a while. And I, I know that his, his story is super, super interesting. What was your biggest takeaway from that, Greg? Well, I, I loved um, a lot that Alex talked about. I love his faith and obedience of stepping out when it was time to, to leave the business that he had with Doug Peterson. But I loved his definition of a culture. And, and, and he said that culture is a responsibility to steward the things that we're in charge of. That's not something that I've really heard it phrased quite that way. But I loved how he said that the things that entrepreneurs are given their company, their passion, their dreams, 
their employees, their clients. Those are all things that they've been put in charge of. And the culture of how you treat all of those is a as a reflection of your stewardship of those gifts. And when you put it that way, you really kind of start thinking about all the things in business, the high, high successes, the low, low challenges. All of those are a gift that we are given to steward and to be able to walk through. So uh, that, that was a really unique way of, of stating culture and one that's going to stay, stay with me for a long, long time. What about you? No, I 100% agree on that. I mean, that's that. I wrote that down myself. I mean, it, you know, and and it's just if you think about it, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, we've got a lot that are that's on our shoulders, right? And yeah, you've got to steward that. You've you've got to take care of those things and and make sure that you're not letting people down. Uh, as far as your customers, your clients, your your people that work with you, all of those things are super important, right? Okay, so mine was uh, uh, he he said something that that really struck me, and I'm going to tie it back to marketing here. He said, start with a purpose, right? And to me, that's a, a very start with why, why are you yep. going to do this, right? Kind of a thing. And Simon Sinek with his start with why, you know, video, he, he, he tells the story there of Apple versus Dell, right? Dell is a computer company. Apple is a computer company at the same time. But, but, you know, Dell, when they moved into, you know, providing like MP3 players and all of the same things that Apple was doing, it didn't make any sense for anybody. And so therefore their, their products completely flopped, right? But yet because Apple started with why, they started with, you know, we're not just a computer company, right? We're a company that thinks different. We think different, right? Mm -hmm. And so therefore we have these really cool things that you can buy, right? Like a computer or nowadays an iPhone or AirPods or whatever, you know, it makes sense for Apple to do that kind of a thing. And coming back, you know, full circle there to Alex, you know, starting with a purpose, it is important to let people know why you are doing something as well as for you to know why you're doing something. You've got to start with a purpose. 100% because if you don't start with that purpose, then you're going to put so much effort in and and not get to where you want to go. All about that. That's spot on, man. And I love I love how I love how God made your brain to think marketing and my brain to think numbers. <laughs> one one whole lot of number conversation with Alex, but no. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Well, Alex, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you loved it. We hope that you were inspired by Alex as much as Chris and I were. If you're not connected with him on Instagram, LinkedIn, go to alexcaesar.com. Connect with him. Do yourself a favor and really get to, to get to know him and the passion that he has to push you forward. If you're not connected with Aggie Growth Hacks, we hope that you connect with Chris, connect with me, connect with Aggie Growth Hacks on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're on, uh, on the social medias, check out aggiegrowthhacks.com and make sure that you give a big thumb gig them on whatever podcast app you're listening and share it so that we can get the Aggie Growth Hack message out to more people. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head on over to their website right now to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Till then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em.